Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Saving Grace, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Romans. Here's Pastor Nick. that do you live with that thought in the forefront of your mind that awareness that you have been called by God and therefore you have also been sent out by God so if you've been called to God you've also been sent out by God on his mission this mission to seek and save that which is lost and broken to do his work of dispelling lies and bringing truth that gives life to do this work of binding up that which is broken and bringing healing, and restoration, and reconciliation. And we get to speak the words of eternal life into people's lives. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way that we develop a missional mentality is by keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. The way you develop a missional mentality is by keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, in chapter 2 of Philippians, he says this. He says, I want you to have the same mind, the same attitude, the same outlook that Jesus also had. That although he was God, he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant. See, Jesus lived his life with a missional mentality. He was hyper aware of the fact that he had been sent by God to this earth on a mission for a purpose. And so the focus of his life wasn't to make himself comfortable. It was Holy to fulfill the mission which the Father had sent him here to carry out. You know, a few years ago, I read a book by Sebastian Junger. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was a New York Times bestseller, but it was called Tribe. If you haven't read it, it's a very interesting book, very short and fast read. It's called Tribe by Sebastian Junger. Now, Sebastian is not a Christian, and I don't agree with all of his or all of his analysis or all of his conclusions. But what he wrote about in this book was very interesting uh, in regard to what we're talking about here and the need for mission. He backed it up with research and data. Let's check out some of the stuff he said. Basically, his big point was this. In order to be a healthy person, you need difficulty in your life. You need hardship. You need challenges in your life. You need to be stretched. In order for you to be healthy emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually even, you need challenges. You need difficulty. You need something to live for which is bigger than just yourself and your own comfort and your own pleasure and your own fulfillment. You need to be stretched. And yet, we live in a society here in the West particularly where we have spent so much time and so much energy and so much focus on making ourselves comfortable and insulating ourselves so that we don't have to deal with difficulty and hardship. And as a result, we actually have higher rates of depression and anxiety than any other society that has ever existed in the history of the world. We're the most wealthy society in the history of the world, and at the same time, we're the most depressed society. And he's saying that there's a correlation between the two. Here's some of the things he pointed out. Poor countries, for example, did you know this? Poor countries have lower rates of depression than wealthy countries. In fact, the World Health Organization reported that the rate of depression in wealthy countries like the United States is eight times higher than that of poorer countries. 
You know, and you hear about this. People go on trips to, to poorer places in the world, and they say, yeah, it's so weird. The people there seem so happy. And that's so confusing for us, right? Because we, we think that everybody must be super depressed over there because they're not here with us having a good time, right? Like, we've only got first world problems. They've got bigger problems. But see, here's the interesting thing. We actually have higher rates of depression than they do. Here's another interesting st- statistic he points out. The last great national tragedy that we had here in the United States, arguably, was September 11, 2001, and when we had the terror attacks in New York City. And of course, that, that attack hit New York City harder than anywhere else in the country. So if you look at New York City and how people reacted in response to that, here's the interesting thing. In the six months following 9-11, suicide rates in New York City dropped by 20%. The murder rate dropped by 40%. Like, people stopped murdering each other. And for the first time in recent history, the number of people taking antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication dropped radically. Now, why was that? And here's why. Because during that time, people had a mission. They had something, a purpose, a hardship, a difficulty. There was something going on that was bigger than just them and their life and their little world. You see... There were other people who needed help, who needed comfort. And knowing that and having that sense of purpose and mission, which goes beyond just living for yourself, it actually drove people out beyond themselves, and it had good effects on them in their whole person. And here's the thing about, though, Sebastian Junger's book. He, he makes a great analysis, and he makes a great diagnosis of what the problem is, but he never really gives a solution. That's where his book falls short. See, but when we take that information that he presents and we bring it here to what we're talking about with the gospel, then it all comes full circle. See, because there is no mission which is more important, which is more vital, which is more urgent than the mission of the gospel and bringing the good news of the gospel into the world. This is the mission for which God himself was willing to become one of us and give everything and even die. See, our mission is to bring the only message that brings the dead to life. It's the only message which brings hope to those who are hopeless. It's the only message of hope and healing for those who are suffering. And I was challenged this week, personally, to think about this in regard to how I pray. Now, I want you to think about this yourself, too. How many of my prayers, you can ask yourself the same question, how many of my prayers are focused, are spent, asking God to protect me from things? So many times, right? That's all we do. God, protect me from this. Protect me as I travel. Protect the people I love. We're asking God so often to protect us from things, or we're so focused on getting things which will make us comfortable. How much more, though, should we be praying prayers that are in line with God's mission, God's calling on our lives? Radical prayers, challenging prayers that say, God, use me. Let me be a penny in your pocket. Spend me however brings you the most pleasure and the most glory. That was the second aspect of Paul's missional mentality, the importance of the mission. The third aspect is this, the goal of transformation. He says there in verse 18, the ultimate goal of it all is to bring the nations to obedience. To bring the nations to obedience. See, right before Jesus ascended, maybe you remember this, he spoke to his disciples and he gave them what we call the Great Commission. Here's what he said. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And check this out. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the goal of the mission that Jesus gave 
isn't just to make converts. It's beyond that. It's to make disciples. The goal of the mission is complete life transformation. It's not just to get people to tick a box or raise their hand or even just to get baptized. It goes beyond that to complete life transformation. Not just converts, but disciples. That's why Paul said, actually here at the beginning of the book of Romans, in chapter 1, verse 5, he said this, We have received this grace and this apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of his name among the nations. The obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. It's not just about making converts. It's about making disciples. People whose lives are transformed and shaped and healed and improved by the gospel and bring it into every area of their lives. Paul says at the end of verse 18, he says that the way he seeks to accomplish this mission is by word and by deed. And I love that. See, words matter, but deeds also matter. It's not one or the other. It's not that we preach the gospel with words or we preach the gospel with deeds. It has to be both. Our deeds have to back up our words, but we do need the words. You see, in verse 19, then Paul goes on. And he transitions now into talking about his plans for the future. He says, I have fulfilled my ministry in this area. I've brought the gospel all the way from Jerusalem all the way up to Irilicum. That's modern day Albania, kind of like uh, Bosnia, southern Bosnia, Albania. And now Paul says, starting in verse 20, he says, now I'm setting my eyes on new frontiers. I want to go to a new region. I want to go to a place where the gospel hasn't been preached yet. Specifically, he tells us in verse 24, what he has in mind is he wants to go to Spain, a yet unreached part of the world at that time. Paul had this missional mentality. That's what drove him. That's what drove him to make his plans and, and see his future. He believed in the centrality of the gospel. He believed in the importance of the mission. And he believed in the goal of transformation. And that missional mentality is what shaped and guided all of his plans as he, as he made them. So let me ask you this. Do you live with that awareness in your mind that you are a woman or a man on a mission? That you have been called by God and you have been given a purpose by God which is bigger than just yourself and living for yourself and making yourself fulfilled and comfortable. It's much more important than that and it's much bigger than that. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefield Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. Join us this Christmas season at Whitefield's Church in Longmont. On Christmas Eve, we are having two services at 4 and 5.30 p.m. And we are having a service on Christmas morning at 9.15. For the month of December, join us on Sunday mornings as we remember and celebrate the coming of Jesus with a series of messages called one of us in which we will be looking at how in jesus god became one of us to reveal himself to us and redeem us we are located at 2950 colorful avenue in longmont just west of i-25 on highway 119. invite a friend and join us this advent season at whitefields church in longmont including christmas eve at 4 and 5 30 p.m and Christmas morning at 9.15 a.m. For directions and more information, visit our website at whitefieldschurch.com. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. Let's move on to our second point, which is this. How do we react when things don't go according to your plan? How do you react when things don't go according to your plan? 
So just a little bit of historical context here. Paul was writing this letter from the city of Corinth. He was no longer living in Corinth. He had lived in Corinth years ago. Most recently, he's been living in Ephesus where he lived and he pastored for three years. But he's recently just left Ephesus. And he talks about this, by the way, if you're interested, in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. We see that Paul leaves Ephesus and he goes back and visits some of the churches that he started years ago. He visits Philippi. He visits Corinth. And it says that he stayed there in the region of Corinth for three months. And it was during those three months that Paul visited Corinth after he left Ephesus. This is Acts chapter 20. That Paul sat there and he sat down and he wrote this letter to the Romans from the city of Corinth. And, uh, and here's what's interesting. The reason Paul had gone back to Corinth and back to Philippi was because we know from all of his letters and, and from the book of Acts, he was taking up a collection, a financial donation from the churches in those regions that he wanted to take to the church in Jerusalem. He says that actually here in Romans 15, verse uh, 25 through 27. He says, at present, I'm going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints for Macedonia. That's Philippi. The, Philippi was the capital of Macedonia. And Achaia, Corinth was the capital of Achaia, it's a region. They have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So the Jerusalem church, that was the original church, right? This is like church OG, right? This is number one. But there were a lot of poor people in that church, and they were struggling. And so as an act of solidarity and kindness, Paul says, hey, how cool would it be if we could get some of these newer churches, some of these Greek-speaking churches in the region of Greece, Macedonia, Achaia, if they could pitch in some money and we could take it and we could just bless those people in Jerusalem, wouldn't that just communicate the solidarity that we have in the body of Christ, that we are one body and we're all in this together? And so Paul says in verse 28 and 29 here in, here in Romans 15, he says, when I have completed this, and I've delivered to them what's been collected. Then I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Paul's plan is to take this financial gift, this donation to the church in Jerusalem, and then hop on a boat and go over to Rome, hang out with those guys for a while, and then hop on another boat and go over to Spain and preach the gospel there. Except, as you know, that is not at all what happened. Things did not go according to his plan at all. Paul did go to Jerusalem. He did drop off the money, but he wasn't very well received. We read about that in Acts chapter 21. When he got to Jerusalem, not only was he not really well received by the church there, but he wasn't well received by the people in the city. There were a lot of people who didn't like him, and they conspired against him, and they started a riot, and they blamed him for it, and he ends up getting arrested for it. That's Acts chapter 21. And the authorities, they look into the situation. They realize that Paul didn't actually commit a real crime. There's nothing they can charge him with. And yet, it's such a politically charged environment environment that they say, you know what, we're just going to keep Paul in jail just to make our constituents happy. And so they keep Paul in jail with no charges against him for years, kind of kicking him around, moving him from one place to the next, injustice, unfairness, until Paul finally kind of pulls the only card he has. He appeals his case to the highest court in the entire empire. And so after years in prison, Paul finds himself on a boat being taken to Rome, not as a missionary, but as a prisoner. And it's during this time that Paul finds himself in the middle of that great storm we talked about earlier. It's written about in Acts chapter 27. 
that drives his ship way off course. Ultimately, it leads to a shipwreck. Literally nothing went according to Paul's plan. And after the shipwreck, they transport Paul to Rome, where he's held for years under house arrest as a prisoner awaiting trial. Paul's attitude, though, there under that house arrest, it's interesting. Rather than seeing it as an incredible difficulty, he sees it as an incredible opportunity. Here he is in this house. His goal is to speak the gospel to people. And here he is in this house. He's got armed guards. They're chained to him 24 hours a day. They're on six-hour shifts. So every couple hours, he gets a new one. And Paul's mentality was, hey, you know what? It's not me who's chained to you. It's you who's chained to me. I have a captive audience. You can't even get away. I can just tell you whatever I want for six hours. And then when you're done, I get a new set of people. And then guess what? I get to see you again tomorrow. That was Paul's attitude. And guess what? We know that many of those people became Christians. Paul writes about that in his letter to the Philippians, that many of the guards are becoming Christians as he's spending time with them and telling them about what Jesus did in his life. Paul also used this opportunity to write letters which are now part of our New Testament. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon. And we know that after a few years under house arrest, Paul finally gets to stand trial before Caesar Nero himself. And you better believe that Paul used that opportunity to tell the most powerful man in the world all about Jesus and what Jesus had done in his life. Paul was actually exonerated. He was let go. We don't know what he did exactly after that. Many people believe that he did go to Spain, just as he had planned to always. But we don't have any proof of that. The only thing we do know is this, that a few years after he was exonerated in that trial before Caesar Nero, he was then arrested. See, fires broke out in Rome, and Nero blamed the Christians. They were an easy target, a minority that kind of everybody could rally against. And they started the very first Christian persecution in the city of Rome. And it was during that time that Paul the Apostle was also arrested. He was placed not under house arrest, but in a dungeon. And that dungeon was where he wrote his final letter, 2 Timothy, the final letter he wrote before he died. And shortly after that, he was executed. Nothing went the way Paul had planned. He had this big plan for his life to go to sunny Spain. And instead, he ends up in a dungeon, under arrest for years, in a dungeon, finally executed. Now check this out. In verses 30 through 32, I think this is interesting. Paul asks the believers to pray for him that he'll be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Was he? Kind of, but not really. They didn't kill him, but they did get him arrested. Then he asks, hey, I know that when I come to you, I'm going to be refreshed by your company. He didn't make it to them for several years, and when he did, he came as a prisoner. In spite of all Paul's prayers, in spite of asking others to pray for him, things didn't really work out according to the way he planned or the way he wanted. But if you look at this, there are a few things that we can learn from it about navigating life when things don't go according to your plan. Three points and then we're done. Number one, it's more important where you are in Christ than where you are in life. Do you know that? It's more important where you are in Christ than where you are in life. If you read through Paul's letters that he wrote during this period when he was being, uh, serving as a prisoner, when nothing was going according to his plan, what you find is that Paul was much more concerned, much more interested in where he was in Christ than where he was in life. He says things during that time like this. He says, all the things that have happened to me have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. He says, I have learned to be content in all things because I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. See, Paul was able to weather the storms of this life, the unexpected changes, the twists and turns, the changes in his plans and understanding because he understood this. 
It's much more important who you are in Christ than where you're at in life. See, our primary goal should be how we live this life, not where we end up in this life. It should be how we live this life, not where we end up in this life. We leave that part up to God. But how we live this life is the part where we're focused on. So whether Paul was shipwrecked in Malta, whether he was under house arrest, he never lost sight of his mission. And for us, even if your life takes a different course than you thought it would, your identity in Christ and your calling from Christ, those things never change. The second point is this. You make plans, but you surrender the outcome to God. You make plans, but you surrender the outcome to God. So Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his path. See, Paul made all these plans, but they didn't work out the way he planned at all. So then we might say, well, then maybe we should just not make any plans because, you know, we don't want to be presumptuous and make God think, oh, you know, we're, we got all these plans, but God might have a completely different plan. No, the Bible actually says that making plans is a very good thing. In fact, it has some very harsh things to say against people who don't plan ahead and don't look forward to the future. See, there was nothing wrong with the fact that Paul made plans. There was nothing presumptuous about that. But what was great about Paul, what makes him a great person, is that as those plans changed, he didn't get bitter about it. He didn't get mad at God. He surrendered the outcome to God, even if it wasn't the outcome that he had originally or would have picked for himself. A good perspective on this is found in Proverbs 21, verse 31, where it says this, The horse is made ready for the day of battle. But the victory belongs to the Lord. So the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. See, your job is to prepare the horse for battle, but the outcome of the battle is up to God. You have no control over the outcome, but what you do have control over, what you do have responsibility for, is preparing the horse for battle, doing what you have been called to faithfully do unto God. And so what we do, we work hard, we prepare, we plan ahead, everything that we do, but then in our hearts and our minds, we settle that we surrender the outcome, whatever it is, to God. For those of you who are parents, this applies to how we raise our kids. We do everything that depends on us, but we leave the outcome to God. You know, that applies to us in our church as we're seeking to get into our own facility. We want to do everything that depends on us, and then we want to leave the outcome to God for him to open up the door, or close the door where appropriate. See, we do that in every area of our lives. Everything that depends on us, we do it as diligently and faithfully as possible, but we submit the end results over to God. We surrender it to him, and we determine that no matter what it is, we will trust him in the midst of it. And finally this, we never lose sight of God's providence and God's promise. We never lose sight of God's providence and God's promise. Paul had a great plan. It was a good plan to visit Rome and then go to Spain and preach the gospel. But God had a different plan for Paul. Ultimately, God's plan led to Paul being able to do some really cool things that he would never have been able to do otherwise if things had gone according to Paul's plan. This plan led him before kings and rulers. It led him ultimately before the most powerful person in the world where he was able to give testimony of God to Caesar Nero himself. In other words, Paul, God had a great plan for Paul's life. It's one, though, that Paul would have never chosen if it was up to him. Here's the other thing, though. As Paul was going, this, going through this for years, he didn't know how it was going to end up. He didn't know for sure that it was going to have such a great and glorious ending. All he could do is walk through those dark moments, not knowing what comes next, like on that shipwreck, not knowing if he's even going to live another day or where it's going to take him. The only thing he could do was trust in God's providence and God's promises. And that's the same for us as well. When life takes an unexpected turn, when things don't go as you hoped or planned, 
Never lose sight of God's providence, his loving providence, and his awesome purposes and plans. In conclusion, what are you going to do when life doesn't go according to your plan? And what is that guiding principle for your life upon which you base your plans in the first place? Here in Romans chapter 15, we learn that from the Apostle Paul, here's what we learn, is that when you surrender your life to Jesus, he might take you in a completely different direction than you ever imagined. But there is no more secure place to be, and there is no more joyful place to be than in Christ and on mission with Christ. So may we be those who experience that peace and that joy even as we leave this place today. Amen? Lord, we thank you that you have given us your mission so that we might experience your joy. And Lord, I pray for anyone here today and they would say, you know what, that's the story of my life. It's taken turns and twists that I had never thought of and that I wouldn't have expected. Things have not gone according to my plan. Lord, I pray that in the midst of this, Lord, that you might take the messes of our lives, Lord, even if we're the ones responsible for those messes, and Lord, you might make them into something great and glorious, which brings glory to you and brings joy to our hearts, and Lord, something that you use to bring joy to the world. Lord, we submit our lives to you. Lord, we say, our lives are yours. Take them and use them for your mission, your purpose, your glory. Lord, may we not live for ourselves. May we live for you, because Lord, you gave yourself for us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.